We've been talking about the power of grace, the power of grace in our lives, how God, how God's grace is enough and is sufficient for us to live and to function. And I've really enjoyed the series. I've enjoyed being part of the series. I've enjoyed hearing the other men talk about God's amazing grace. Maybe you've been there, maybe you've had this thought where you thought to yourself, when things are good, knock on wood. When things go well, I need to be really, really careful because things may start to go bad. Have, have you ever experienced that? Maybe it comes in the form of money, you're thinking about money and you get this check in the mail or you get a raise and you think, man, things are great. And then you think to yourself, wait, I, I probably shouldn't say that, cross my fingers, I don't want to jinx it. You ever had that thought? Because that's usually when some of the bad's coming. Or you think to yourself, you know, I've been doing really good with my diet. Got three weeks going. Things are going, well, I better not say anything about it, though. Or my daily Bible reading, I've been really consistent, with, but, but I, better not, I better not verbalize that. Because as soon as things start to go well, man, stress is going to hit me. I'm going to be on day one again, right? I mean, that's just the way it works. It's just a matter of time. And the floor is going to be taken out from underneath me, and things are going to come crashing down. Maybe you've had that perspective. And it gets us to thinking about like this idea of fate, like maybe fate is there, and, and fate, you know, just, it's just fate. Anytime things are good, fate's going to come, and it's just going to make life bad. And, and sometimes we have that perspective, and sometimes that perspective actually extends out beyond fate, and it taps into faith, and so then we start to think, well, it's not only is it like the universe is against me, maybe God is against me, and maybe God is just keeping me from enjoying life, maybe he's trying to sabotage me, or maybe he's just trying to put me in my place, and so I can never really have anything good, because if I do, God's just going to get me, and he's going to stop me from enjoying my life, and I got to tell you, that's so contrary to the things I read about in Scripture. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I hear Jesus talking to the apostles in the Sermon on the Mount and his disciples, he says this, he says, if one son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? He's saying, look, God doesn't sabotage people. He doesn't God, doesn't, God doesn't put you in a situation and then just, just trick you or hurt you and try to, try to ruin your life. God's not that way. In fact, Jesus tells us that God provides for the needs of his children. God actually provides, he provides for you. And I hear that and I get that, but there's also this part of me that whenever I hear that, it's like, yeah, but why is it then that every time I get a paycheck, I get hit with, with some major you know, major deal. Something hits me and, and all of a sudden I owe money that I didn't have before. Why is it that, that when things are up, it does seem like things are down? And Jesus has an answer for that as well. And Jesus says, it's life. It's life. In fact, Jesus tells us that God provides for the needs of his children. However, God doesn't prevent life from happening. He doesn't. And, and I love different ways that Jesus does that, but one of the ways he does that is in the parable of the soils, if you guys remember. In the parable of the soils, Jesus says that, that, that there's a reason why some people don't follow God. Like they want to follow God and they want to trust him, but then they don't. And Jesus says essentially there's two reasons 
Uh, well, there's multiple reasons, but two reasons in particular that we see that people don't follow God is this. Sometimes Satan stops it. Sometimes Satan comes in and steals good away from people. And Jesus literally says that. Sometimes it's the evil one. It's the devil who comes in and steals away from us. And then he says, and sometimes it's just life that chokes us out like thorns. It's just life. In other words, God allows life to happen. He allows life to happen. And as Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn there with me, in 2 Corinthians, Paul agrees with that truth that sometimes life is just hard. It's just hard. And here's how he lays it out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says it this way. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger, uh, in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger uh, from my own people. Danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from those things, there is also the daily pressure of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul's like, look, my life is filled with a lot of chaos. I have anxiety for churches that I'm working with. There's times that I'm cold. There's times that I'm on these journeys. I'm at sea. There's times, you know, I've been shipwrecked. There's times that the people are out, out against me. Paul's just laying it out. He's like, life is hard and life happens. And guess what? God lets it happen. God lets it happen. God allows life to happen. And I wish that were all. But Paul's going to come in the very next chapter and he's going to say, oh, and one more thing. I had a thorn in my flesh. There was a thorn in my flesh. It was giving me a messenger of Satan to harass me. A messenger of Satan to harass me, and it keeps me from becoming conceited. In other words, God allows life to happen, but not just life, also Satan. And I'm going to be honest with you, as I have studied this, it's reminded me that I don't think about that very often. I mean, I think about life, like life happens, but I don't really think about as often, like, there's actually an enemy out to get me as well. You say, well, that's, that's kind of hokey, that's kind of silly. Well, guess what? Jesus believed it, and Jesus taught it, and Paul taught it, and Paul, Paul believed it. They talked about the prince of, of the air, the ruler of this world, the, the one that has control in this earth. Jesus and Paul agreed that Satan has great control on this earth. That whether we realize it or not, Satan has great control. And here's Paul, and he says, look, a messenger of Satan, because of Satan's control, I have been given a thorn in my flesh. Paul says, I know exactly where that came from. It is a messenger from Satan. A thorn in my flesh. i got to ask you guys, have you all ever stepped on a Lego? Anybody here ever stepped on a Lego? I hear stepping on a Lego is painful. I'm from Texas, so I'm more used to this. But um, 
you know, it's like Texans are like Legos. Ha, yeah, whatever. That's not a big deal. You should see what we have to deal with. When I think of thorn in the flesh, here's what I think of. But I want you to know that the word used here for thorn in the flesh actually probably is maybe better translated a sharp wooden stake used to impale. And I think, you know, as a Texan, I can handle a Lego pretty well, and I can even handle those little stickers, like those, you know, it's funny, they call them stickers. When I was a kid growing up, they said, you want a sticker, you know, they put a sticker on your shirt, and then I learned also in Texas, stickers are those things, right? That's how tough we are. Give me a sticker, you know? But look, Paul's like, whatever you're used to, I got something worse. Here's a sharp wooden stake that I live with. It's my perpetual life. It's my life. I live with it. Satan has given me a sharp stake to harass me, and it also humbles me. Historically, a lot of people ask the question, what's the thorn in the flesh? If you've done any Bible study, if you've gone to, to the, the preacher training school here, if you've, if you've studied any commentaries, you know that's a question. What's the thorn in the flesh? A lot of people have asked that question, and there's a lot of answers. Historically, some people said, well, it's temptation. It's, you know, those are temptations that Paul was dealing with. Other people come and say, no, it's not temptation. It's probably illness, maybe his eyesight. You know, he, he, had, he, he mentioned having some, some difficulty there in, in the way he was writing. Maybe it was his eyesight. Other people say it was with relationships. You know, Paul's constantly being attacked by people. He's being persecuted even by people that are supposed to be believers. And some will just say, hey, it's life struggles. Like Paul's on his journey. He's going from place to place. And, you know, maybe as he's on his journey, it's just, he just got sick and got malaria or something. And so he's, he's just sick. It's interesting to me that there's never an answer given to what that thorn in the flesh is, especially from Paul, who's, who makes a lot of lists. I mean, you've noticed that about Paul, right? In chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, he makes a huge list of all the things he's dealing with, and then he says in chapter 12, and I have this major issue, and he doesn't tell us what it is. And I want to argue maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a reason we don't know. And I'm going to suggest the reason we don't know is this, is because we all deal with thorns in the flesh. And it could be any number of things. We all have dealt with things in our lives that are not like a little sticker, but more like a, like a prodding stick kind of poking you. Sometimes it's temptation. Like this temptation just won't go away. It just keeps coming back. And sometimes it's illness. Like we prayed about our illness. We prayed about it. We prayed about COVID and then it came back. We prayed about the way we're, we prayed about the cancer and then there it was, you know, we prayed about it and it keeps coming back or, or relationships. You know, there's these relationships in my life and they're so difficult and, 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 and they just won't go away or, or even life struggles. And the question is, what's my thorn in the flesh? Because I think we all have things that just kind of poke at us throughout life and that we pray about and they just kind of are there. Well, I want you to know this. Paul knew the answer to the thorn in the flesh problem. Pray about it. Paul says he prayed about it. Paul knew that he needed to pray to God for relief. He says, I know where the thorn in the flesh is coming from. It's coming from Satan. And I'm going to pray to God. God's the answer to this problem. God can save me from this. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, here's what it says. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. 
As a kid, I thought to myself, three times, Paul? Keep praying, buddy, right? Three times? That's, that's very little. We don't know what that means. We don't know if that means three epic moments in his life, three epic times in his life where he came to God and he begged and pleaded to God, take it away. But he knew this, God is the one who could take it away. And here's why he knew it. Because God was constantly answering prayer in Paul's life. Constantly. I mean, do you remember the story of that time he got snake bit? You all remember that one? Venomous snake bit him and God took care of it. Or that time he had a friend named Epaphroditus who was sick. And they prayed about it and Epaphroditus got well. Or here's another story. There was a time that Paul was in prison and they were praying. And guess what? God just opened the doors of the prison. You see, God had proven to Paul that Paul, when he's in crisis, he can pray to God and God will answer. Paul didn't know how God would respond, which is kind of like us. When we're in the midst of crisis, when we have trials and temptations and troubles, we pray to God and we don't know how God's going to respond. And that's what Paul's doing. He's praying to God and he doesn't know it. He prayed three times, maybe three major times in his life where he came to God and he prayed. And here was God's response. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now I got to tell you, when I hear that, that sounds like a non-answer answer to me. I don't know about you, but it sounds like God is just kind of saying, eh, you can just deal with that. It's a non-answer answer, maybe cop-out answer. God's just saying, you know, you can deal with that. I want you to know this. This is no cop-out answer. This is no non-answer answer. It may feel that way to us. It may feel like God's saying, you know, I'm not going to take away your pain, Paul. You're just going to have to deal with it. My grace is sufficient. That's not what happens in this passage. That is not what's happening here. The word grace, as you guys remember, means gift. God's got a gift for Paul. And he says, I have a gift for you. I want you to know I have got a gift for you. And it is sufficient. And it is good. And as Paul is is, is hearing this message, one can't help but think his mind is brought back to that ultimate gift of God, the ultimate gift that he knows about, the gift of Jesus to save Paul from his sins. Jesus Christ, the most amazing gift, the Jesus who took on the thorns and the nail, the, one, the, the Jesus who took on the wooden stake and hung upon it for him. The Jesus who did this to free him from eternal pain. The gift of heaven. The gift that one day Paul would suffer no more. No more pain, just eternal joy. And I'm going to make this statement to you. I don't think that's a cop-out answer. I don't think the death of Jesus Christ is a cop-out answer. And so as, as Paul is, is talking to God and saying, look, I am hurting, God's response is, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. The gift that I give you of Jesus is enough to get you through this. 
The word sufficient here means the strength to ward off evil. Do I believe that the gift of Jesus Christ is enough for me? Paul, you have temptations. Jesus Christ is enough for you. Salvation is enough for you. Paul, you have illness. I want you to know this. I'm enough for you. You have life challenges. Jesus Christ is enough for you. My grace is enough. Do we see the forgiveness of God as enough? Do we see the forgiveness of God as enough to get us through the pain in our lives when God says it is? Often God answers our prayers not with relief, but with a reminder. He reminds us that the greatest gift he gives is his salvation. And that's hard for me. It's hard for me to think that in the middle of my pain, God would deny me the answer I'm looking for, but remind me of his grace. But guys, it's enough. It is enough. And I know how it sounds. I know the challenge that it sounds as you wrap your head around that. Because we want life to be easy and to be fun and to be good and filled with, with less pain. And God's saying, yes, but there's always salvation. The grace of God was Paul's story. As a young man, God's grace was given to Paul to help him survive the pain of his past. I think about the past that Paul had to deal with. The past was so painful and so difficult. We thought about who he was as, as a man in the past, but God's grace was sufficient for his past. But guys, as an old man, God's grace is also sufficient. It's sufficient to remind him that he's going to heaven, that he has God's forgiveness even in the midst of the trials that he's going through, God's grace is enough. God's grace is powerful enough to sustain us through all of life's trials. Do we believe it? That's the question. Do we believe it? I know we all love grace. I know we all love heaven. We love the idea of heaven. We all love the idea of Jesus, and we all love the idea of God's forgiveness. But here's the question, if that was all we had, if that was all we had, if all we had was confidence that we're going to heaven because of Jesus Christ, would that be enough? God says to Paul, it is. If he never took away my illness, if he never took away my chronic pain, my chronic depression, my anxiety, if he never took away that person who attacks me and makes me feel awful, is it enough to say God's grace is sufficient? I got to tell you, life is full of thorns. Life is full of thorns, lots and lots of thorns. Momentarily, I feel like I'm getting stuck. But he wore the thorns for me. He wore the thorns for me to give me eternal 
joy. And my response to him should be, thank you. Thank you. I want you to hear Paul's response. Listen to what Paul says. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ. Then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Paul says, even in my weakness, I can find great joy because God is with me. You know what it's called? It's called the power of grace to get us through this life. Do you believe that the cross of Christ is powerful enough to get you through this life? Do you believe that the message of God's love is powerful enough to get you through it even when times are hard? That's the question. And Paul's response to God is, I believe it. And I want us all to respond that way and say, I believe it. Your grace is sufficient for me. This is a hard one for me. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it. It's hard for me to embrace it, but I know it's true. And I want to encourage you today to embrace the message of the power of God's grace in our life, that God's sacrifice is enough for us to find joy and healing in this life. If you need anything from this body, won't you come now as we stand and as we sing together.